Good morning. Welcome to New Life Church. Please stand with us as we worship this morning.
Amen. It is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm so glad to be worshiping with you this morning. Can we just quick pray as we uh, continue in worship? God, we welcome you into this place. We welcome you into this worship. We call again on you. We ask you to draw near to us, to abide with us, to be with us in the good times, to be with us in the bad times, and be with us every second between. We love you, Lord. We love to worship you. Hear our praises. In Jesus' name, amen.
welcome to New Life, and thank you, team, for bringing us into worship this morning. Um, we like to start the service or the announcements with inviting the children, three, to all the way to grade five, to come up here, and we're going to have a blessing for you. So come on down with your parents or with the teachers, and as you come down, I'm going to share a short little story, a story about these very... These very um, little things are these benches that you're going to sit on. And it's a story that's nearly 30 years old. And it starts a long time ago. I was living in Ontario with my husband, Bruce. And we came down, flew all the way here for an interview. And the first person that we met was Pastor John Portinga, the founding pastor here. And he brought us into this very building. And it wasn't finished yet. The church was still meeting in the gym, but what he showed us was something I'll never forget. He told us that he invited all the people of the church to come and to write their favorite Bible verse. Um, but the thing that they could do, they could write the Bible verse wherever they wanted because there was no carpet, there was no paint on the wall, they could just choose whatever they wanted. And I thought that was the most amazing thing. But what, what I remember the most, this is, near, like I said, nearly 30 years ago, was the Bible verse that someone chose right on this stage. And it said in bold, big letters, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's right here right here someplace. And you might be sitting on some Bible verses too. And why? Because this church is so excited about the gospel. Your teachers that are right there, they're not ashamed of the gospel. They want to share it with you. And everyone here, I bet, knows that Bible well. Or if they're here for the first time, they're curious. They want to know, what is that gospel? Why are we not ashamed of the gospel? So before I dismiss you, uh, we're going to pray for you. And um, if you're comfortable, you can put your hands up and bless them as well. And so let's fold our hands and close our eyes so we can really focus on God this morning. Dear Father, what a blessing these dear children are. And I want to thank you for their teachers and their parents who have brought them here. Um, the teachers that are not ashamed of the gospel and are so excited about the gospel, the Bible, that they want to share it with these beautiful children. So I pray for a good blessing, for a good morning with them. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you're three to five, you're welcome to go that way with your teachers. And all the older ones can go out that way and follow your teachers. So... As they walk out, I'm going to greet you again. Welcome to the service. I bet you someone can help you. So why don't you go that way, and they'll show you. Oh. That's not that funny, is it really, that he didn't listen to me? Thanks a lot for your support there. <laughs> So he has a great time there. So if you are a guest with us, 
You are welcome to fill out a Connect card. It's right in front of you. Uh, if you're, and you can fill it out and bring it to the foyer, and you will receive a gift. And if you're online this morning, we encourage you to comment and interact with the others online. Um, I want to bring your attention to Switch Life Prayer Night. Switch Life Youth is inviting a you to a prayer night, and they are hosting on Thursday, February 1 at 7.30. Praying together is a beautiful thing, and they are creating an opportunity for you to hear what Switch Life Youth have on their hearts, and they want to invite everyone out to seek God with them. Life Groups is a small groups ministry at New Life that meet during the week to study the Bible together and care for one another through prayer and hospitality. If you're not really already a part of this group, we'd love to get you connected. To get connected to a life group, please email Pastor Sean. And it, um, I was just checking to see if it's on there, but Pastor Sean is giving the word this morning, so then you'll know who he is, and if you want to join a group, you can talk to him or email him. The offering today is uh, we're taking an offering for the Benevolent Fund. This fund is administrated by our deacons to help those in our community with financial need. This fund also supports families with uh, Christian school tuition. You can give your offering electronically in the ways listed on the screen or bring it to one of the offering boxes uh, during the fellowship time. So let's pray for this uh, right now. Dear Father, we thank you. We thank you for the many, many blessings you've given us, including being in a beautiful country like this, like Canada. And we thank you that in your word you've taught us to be generous and to share and care for those around us. So we thank you that you've given us this opportunity, and we pray for um, a blessing on this offering. In your name we pray. Amen. It's already fellowship time. So for everyone, we're going to take a three-minute fellowship now. This is a time we greet one another with the peace of Christ. We meet someone new and welcome them here. You can also bring your offering. I wasn't given a question to ask. Sometimes we do that to um, help us get to know one another. So the question I have, which I'd love you to ask, is do you know anyone that actually wrote a Bible verse someplace? Or what I'd like to know, who wrote that verse? I am not ashamed because it is a verse that I think of so often. Like, think about it, 30 years ago, how do you remember that? Because it really resonated with me. If I was ever a little shy or scared to talk about the gospel, I had this visual in my head, I am not ashamed. So I'd love for you to help me solve this 30-year-old mystery. Who wrote that? Do you know anyone here that wrote one of those verses? Of course, that's going to tell their age a little bit, but, uh, but enjoy your coffee time, and we'll be back here in three minutes.
All right, everybody, please take a seat. Good morning to all of you. Um, morning. I'm so glad that... We're all here to worship God together, and uh, good to be here to share God's word with you. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here, and as Sharon mentioned, yeah, if you're not connected to a life group, please contact me. I'd love to get you connected to a life group and, uh, and be part of the life of the community. And so, so if you're not yet connected or you've been sitting on the fence, uh, please don't hesitate to email me or, or talk to me after service. Um, we're going to spend some time right now uh, before we begin, just to pray for our congregation. And, um, and given the topic of today's sermon, and today's sermon is going to wrestle with the question of, what if I feel like I'm falling away from God? Um, the Holy Spirit was reminding me that it'd be awesome for us all as a congregation to pray, especially for our family members that we've been praying for for a long time, that may have fallen away from God, that may feel distant from God, or perhaps... They were near God and, and now are not with God anymore. And so I'd love for us as a congregation to spend some time to pray for some of our family members. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your relentless pursuit after us, after the lost. Jesus, you are the good shepherd that, that seeks the one lost sheep, leaving the ninety-nine. And so we come before you lifting up in prayer members of our family members, member people in our family that have drifted away from you, that have rejected you perhaps, that have turned their backs on you, that have abandoned you, or perhaps they, they just are sitting and, and, and wondering if it's too late to come back to you. Holy Spirit, we pray that in this moment that you would call them back to you. 
Draw them close to you. Draw near to them in this moment. God, we thank you that it's never too late to come back to you, that you wait for us with open arms. So, Father, we pray. We pray earnestly that you would draw our family members that have turned away from you, that have fallen away from you, to return to you for your glory and for your kingdom. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as part of the sermon series, we've been having this table here because these, conver- these questions are not questions that call for a response from a pulpit. Rather, they're, they're questions that call for a conversation, and, and this is reflective of that. And, and the questions that we've been talking about really require a conversation. It's not, it really doesn't require, it, 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 the worst way to answer these questions is a one-way response, a speech from, you know, just declaring it from, from the stage, but rather a conversation. So especially today's question, um, you know, for the last two Sundays, we've been talking about two questions that had more of an apologetic tone of, you know, can Jesus be true for you and not for me? How, how do you know if the Bible is true? But today's question really wrestles with kind of the spiritual direction aspect of how do I, how, what do I do? What if I feel like I'm falling away from God? And, and in a way, you know, as, as we're doing this and in this format, it, it kind of takes me away from my comfort zone a little bit because I feel a little bit naked here because usually I like having a pulpit in front of me to have something in front of me. And, uh, but, but this is actually cool. And I, I, you know, I pray that God would use this time to hopefully maybe break me out of my comfort zone to, uh, um, for his glory. And also, I pray earnestly that through the words that, that I've prepared, that God would speak to you, especially if you're sitting here feeling that you're, you're fall, you've fallen away from God or you feel like you're falling away from God. I really, really do pray that, that God would speak to you today and, and be reminded that it's never too late to turn back to God. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's dive in. Um, another caveat that I want to also give is that my response to this question is not an exhaustive answer that some of the answers and responses that I give in this sermon is not an exhaustive thing. So, so don't take it as, okay, like, it's either this or this. No, there's, it, it's, 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 com- it's a complex question, and there's a complex answer, and that's why it requires a conversation. But I, I do my best in attempting to try to get at um, the various angles in, in responding to this question. So, so please don't take my response as an exhaustive uh, response, but rather use this as a, a perhaps an opportunity to pursue further conversation with a mentor, our spiritual guide, or, or your parents, youth leaders, pastors, what have you. Now, what is this question really asking? When I was given this question, I was wrestling with, okay, so what is this really asking? What is it getting at? While I could be mistaken, it seemed to me that the question was asking what they ought to do. What, what should one do if and when they feel like they're falling away from God. It could be that the youth asking this question already feels like they're drifting away, becoming distant from God. They sense this and are wondering what he or she ought to do. So my response addresses that, namely, what do I do if I feel like I'm falling away from God? And in responding to the question, we begin by asking the question, Why do I feel like I'm falling away from God? Do I know what makes me feel this way? 
It could be that we don't know the reason. It could be that the youth asking this question really doesn't know what the reason is, but that we simply feel this way. We feel like we're falling away. So then the next question to ask would be, does my feeling, does what I'm feeling, accurately reflect the reality of my relationship with God? I mean, it's a legitimate question, right? In other words, do I feel this way because, one, I'm actually falling away from God? Or do I feel this way because... I feel this way even though I'm not falling away from God. Does that make sense? Yes? Do I feel this way because I'm actually falling away from God, or is this just a feeling? That's what I'm getting at. And the reason why it's important to ask this question to differentiate between the two is because different situations call for different responses. A response to someone who's actually falling away from God is going to be different to someone who feels like they're falling away from God, even when they're not. So let's examine these two scenarios. Scenario number one, I'm actually falling away from God. I feel this way because I'm actually falling away from God. How do I know if I'm actually falling away from God? How do I know? How would you know? We can, we can try to discern and, and clarify by looking at our own lives and our hearts. Asking questions like, are there things in my life that make us become distant from God? Are there things in the Bible that the Bible mentions that tell us that these are the things that lead us away from God? That these are the things that, that separates us from God? These are the things that alienate us from God? And there, there are things like that in the Bible. And for the sake of time, I'm going to mention two things two major things, major factors that lead us to fall away from God. First is sin. Second, distraction. Now, the good news is that the person asking this question feels something, right? It's one thing to not feel like they're falling away from God and not know while they're actually falling away from God. So it's actually a good thing that the youth is feeling this. That one, the, the, the fact that one is aware of their spiritual condition in terms of their falling away from God is a gift from God. It's, it's God's mercy. Because we, we could not know, but God has revealed it to us. So we know that we are falling away from God, or feel, we feel that way. So we, we can do something about it. Now the first factor that drives us or leads us to fall away from God, is through sin. And by sin, I don't mean only immoral actions. I mean this in a, in a more broader term of disobedience. Anything that misses the mark of God's intended will, intended and revealed will for our lives. And they, that could be moral actions, but it could also be our willful disobedience, unwillingness to obey what God has called us to. According to a prominent theologian, J.I. Packer, humanity in sin plays God and fights God. Humanity in sin plays God and fights God. And this leads us to be alienated, distanced from God, distant from God, alienated not only from God but also from others, and also alienated from within ourselves. So what's at the heart of our disobedience? There could be many. For some, it may be lust, disordered, self-centered desires of the flesh. 
For some, it could be fear, a sign of lack of trust in God. God, you're calling me to do this, but I'm, I'm, I don't think I could actually do that because that's making me uncomfortable. And that might mean that I might lose my job. That might mean that I might whatever. It's a sign that we don't trust in God enough to carry us on the other side of that obedience. For some, it could be pride, unwillingness to humbly submit to the will of God because we think we know better. Or that we think that God is calling us to what is impossible. Or that we're unwilling to lay down our ego before God and others. And there might be other factors that we're not aware of. What's certain is that God knows our hearts. So when we ask God to reveal to us what is, in, what is at the heart of our disobedience, he shows us, he reveals them to us. After all, we're asking because we want to draw near to God. We, we sense that something is wrong within us. And so we ask God, we go before God and say, God, I, I, I'm living in disobedience. I don't know what's at the heart of this. Or perhaps we know, but we're, we're, we're ignoring it or unwilling to admit. Just as David prayed in Psalm 139, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I think we need to do this more often in terms of going before God and asking God to search my heart and to reveal to us what is unpleasing to him so that we can bring it before him and lay it down and repent and draw near to him. And once he reveals what is at the heart of our disobedience, we must repent if we want to stop falling away from God. Disobedience leads us to fall away from God. And so if we want to stop falling away from God, then we must repent. Now, repentance is not just saying, God, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. Thank you for your forgiveness, the end. No. True repentance is not a one-time thing, but an ongoing process of choosing each moment and time to direct oneself to God. Isaiah 59, verses six to, 55, verses 6 to 7, it says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous in their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he, let them turn to the Lord, he will have mercy on them. Let them turn to our God, for he will freely pardon. This is repentance. Seeking the Lord, turning away, putting away wickedness, forsaking, their, the, forsaking wicked ways, forsaking and, and leaving unrighteous thoughts, and turning towards God, and, and choosing to do so every moment of our day. And there's the assurance of forgiveness. When we turn to God, he will have mercy on us. When we turn to God, he will freely pardon. And this is why we can be assured that it's never too late to turn to God. And it's the, greatest, it's the good news. This is the amazing news that God will pardon us when we turn to him. True repentance is doing a 180 turn from sin towards God and keep going in that direction. That is repentance. Don't stop at simply turning from sin to look to God. Keep going in the direction towards God. Draw closer to him. That is repentance. And that's what we mean when we say we must repent. If we're falling away from sin due to, if we're falling away from God due to disobedience, we must also remember that Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, we have been redeemed 
and have received forgiveness by his blood. It is through him that we've been brought near to God. It's not through our efforts, but it's through his blood, the blood that he has shed on the cross for us. It's through him that we draw near to God. Now, secondly, another factor that leads us to fall away from God is distraction. Our busyness in our lives could be a distraction. So can other things like social media, our phones, Netflix, or any other streaming platforms that you could think of and are subscribed to. In his book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, author and pastor John Mark Homer writes this. In the chronic problem of human beings' felt experience of distance from God, God isn't usually the culprit. God is omnipresent. There is no place God is not. And no time he isn't present either. Could it be that we're the ones who are absent, not God? We sit around sucked into our phones or TV or to-do lists, oblivious to the God who is around us, with us, and in us, even more desirous than we are for relationships. When we feel like we're falling away from God, it's worth asking, what takes up most of our time? What takes up most of our attention? How much time and space do we have in our daily lives for God? Is it any wonder that if we have no space and time for God in our days, that we fall away from God? Though he may draw near, if we're not aware of that, we're not paying attention to him drawing near to us, is it any wonder that we do fall away from him? And here's a reality check. Here's a somber, sobering reality check. We actually have time for God. We actually have time for God. Do we believe that? You might think, no, I'm too busy. Have you seen my calendar? Have you seen my to-do list? The things that I have to do throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month? Do you know my job? Do you know how many kids I have? Do you know the extracurricular activities that I have to drive them to and from? We have time for God. We have time for God. In the same book, John Mark Comer brings out some sobering stats. The average American reads 200 to 400 words per minute. At this speed, one could read up to 200 books a year, in just 417 hours, okay? At average speed of reading, every American who reads could read up to 200 books in one year, in just 417 hours. Mind-blowing. Guess how much time the average American spends on social media? 705 hours, almost double. Guess how much time the average American spends time watching TV? Brace yourself. 2,737 and a half hours. 2,737 and a half hours an average American spends watching TV. 
705 hours spent using social media, when only in 417 hours we can read up to 200 books in a single year. Like, just compare the math here. This means that just for a fraction of time that we give to social media and TV, we could all become avid readers. Wouldn't that be amazing to read 200 books a year? Like, I, that'd be amazing. Now, now, Kumar asks, if this is true of reading, if this is true of reading, how much more is it true of our lives with God? What else could we give thousands of hours of our year to? In an hour of TV before bed, we could read through the entire Bible. In an hour of TV before bed, we could read through the entire Bible in six months. Are you blown away as I was when I read this? And also very guilty when I read this? In an hour of TV before bed, we could read through the entire Bible in six months. We have all the time we need to give our attention to what is most beneficial and necessary for us, especially in our relationship with God. That's why we say, I say, we have time for God. But the fact of the matter is, we're too addicted to our screens. We're too weak in our resolve and too distracted to do what is necessary, to do what, is all, what we all know is important for us. We fall away from God because we're distracted from paying attention to Him. We're too busy to pay attention to Him. Do you know that the word disciple means apprentice? It actually means apprentice. For those of you working in the trade industry, I know that there's lots of you here. Imagine an apprentice who shows up to work to learn a trade from you. And he or she constantly spends their time distracted by their phone, posting pictures on Instagram, texting with friends, receiving calls, checking the news, etc. Can you imagine if your apprentice showed up to learn from you and does this? You would fire them in a heartbeat. Thank God Jesus doesn't fire us. But this is how some of us are as Jesus' apprentice. Do you get the picture? To be true apprentices of Jesus, we must learn his ways. To learn to live like he did by learning how he lived. If we don't have, if we don't have time to read the Bible to learn how he lived his life, how are we going to know how to become an apprentice to be like him, to live like him, and to walk like him, to do the things that he's, he's done? To learn the ways of Jesus, we must read the Bible. To communicate and to hear from him, we need to spend time in prayer. This is essential to our apprenticeship to Jesus. We must pay attention to Jesus. We need to put away the things that distract us. Create time and space to be with him. And what a gift it is that God has brought this to our attention. That we feel like we're falling away because we're actually falling away either through disobedience or distraction. The fact that, the fact that God is bringing this attention to our attention is a gift. And so in response to this gift, 
the least we can do is to pay attention to him, to turn to him. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. With God helping us by his spirit, let's make changes in how we live our lives so that we can pay attention to Christ and draw near to him. At the beginning of the sermon, I mentioned that there are two reasons why one might feel like they're falling away from God. One is because they're actually falling away from God, and we looked at two factors that might contribute to that. The second is that we're not actually falling away from God, but feel like we are. So we feel distant, even though we're not becoming distant. Now, how do I know? Again, let's ask the question, how do I know if I'm actually falling away from God? Are there things in my life that make me become distant from God? Are there sin? Am I distracted? Are there other factors that might lead me away from God? And after an honest, thorough examination of our heart and going before God and asking God, God, search me, reveal in me if there's anything that is hindering me or or that's leading me to fall away from you. After having done all that and you can't find anything, then could it be that you might not actually be falling away from God, but feel like you are? Now, I understand that it might sound reductionistic to say, okay, no sin, no, no disobedience, no distraction, boom, I'm not falling away from God, okay, good, it's just a feeling, deal with it, move on. No, that's, that's not what I'm trying to get at. The key point is that we, we go before God and ask God to examine our hearts. But after having done all that, if, if, we do, if we don't sense that God is bringing anything to our attention that's leading us to fall away from him, then we could ask the question, well, is this feeling true? Is what I'm feeling a true reflection of my relationship with God? That's, I mean, that's a legitimate question to ask. And again, even though it's not exhaustive, here are two factors that may lead us to feel like we're falling away from God when we're not, okay? Two factors that may lead us to feel like we're falling away from God when we are not. First, Satan's lies, lies of the enemy. Second, something that's called the dark night of the soul. So let's deal with the first one. By planting seeds of doubt through lies... Satan seeks to rob us of the sense of God's nearness to us. Jesus says that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. By whispering lies to us, the devil wants to lead us to doubt God's goodness and faithfulness. Just as Jesus responded to the lies of Satan in the wilderness, with the truth of God's word, we must also ground ourselves firmly in and with the truth of God's word. Now the Bible tells us that God will never leave his people nor forsake them. The Bible also tells us that Jesus will be with his disciples always until the end of time. The Bible also tells us that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, will be with his Jesus' disciples forever. The Bible also tells us that there's no place in the entire universe beyond where God is universe and beyond where God is not present. 
Even in the depths of the grave, God is still present. And the Bible tells us that God will never forget his people. In Isaiah, he talks about how even if a mother might forget her own baby at her breast, a practical, practically an impossible scenario, which strengthens all the more of the impossibility of God forgetting his people. Even if a mother forgets her own baby at her breast, I will never forget you, says God. It's impossible for a mother to forget her own baby at her breast. How much more is it impossible for God to forget us, his people? Now, against the deceitful schemes of the devil, we must hold firmly to these truths of God and put them at the forefront of our minds, memorizing them and bringing them up, being reminded of them when the lies come. We can respond right away with the truth of God. The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. It is a weapon to be used in spiritual warfare, as it says in Ephesians chapter 6. We must learn to wield it well so that we may stand firm against the devil's lies. We remember also that in Jesus, God has already come near to us. By being being born as fully human, Jesus, the Son of God, who is God himself, has taken on human flesh and dwelt among us. In the prophecy before his birth, the angel of the Lord declared that he is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. In his lifetime, he drew near to those who were often considered far from God, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. Jesus ate with them. He didn't avoid them or distance himself from them, but instead he approached them. Even those who were considered unclean, the lame, the sick, the lepers, he drew near and touched them and healed them. Those who were possessed by evil spirits, once again considered to be cursed and far from God, Jesus drew near and freed them. In his death, Jesus paid the ransom for the sin of the world, for us. Even though he was perfectly without sin, he took took upon himself our sins and was punished in our place for our sins. In doing so, he opened up the way for all of us, all of humanity, to be near God. Not only be near God, but be called children of God, sons and daughters of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Also in his resurrection, we're given the glimpse of the possibility of living in the presence of God for eternity, being near to him forever. Death could never separate us from God, but instead all those who believe in Jesus will be raised to life like him and to spend eternity and spend eternity with him. Furthermore, in sending the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, God is near us, near us than ever before. He dwells in us. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. Now, let me say this again. The Holy Spirit 
who is not some inferior divine being that floats around like a fairy. The Holy Spirit's not that. But the Holy Spirit who is equal to the Father and the Son as the third person of the Trinity, the very God himself dwells in us. Another mind-blowing moment. God dwells in us. God dwells in us. He's nearer to us than ever before. How marvelous and glorious is this? How could it be that the Spirit of the God, Spirit of the God of the universe who has created and reigns over his creation now dwells in us? How could we ever be far from God when his spirit dwells in us? Amen. Amen. Furthermore, contrary to the lies of the devil, the Holy Spirit bears witness in us the truth that we are God's children. The scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8, he tells us that the Holy Spirit bears witness in us and with us that we are God's children. Given all this, When we feel like we're falling away from God, we must draw near to God's word. To be reminded that God has drawn near to us and is near us and is in us. Secondly, what makes us feel like we're falling away from God when we're actually not is something called the dark night of the soul. On his website called Practicing the Way, again, John Mark Homer, I'm quoting him a lot in this sermon, describes it like this. A dark night of the soul is a season in our apprenticeship to Jesus where he intentionally takes away the felt felt sense of his presence in order to do a deep work of purgation, that is getting rid of, and preparation in our soul for a greater freedom, love, and intimacy with God. It's a season where God intentionally takes away the felt sense of his presence for the sake of doing a deep work in our soul. So when we're going through the dark night of the soul, when we're going through this season, it feels like God is absent in our lives. It's a season when we feel like we're going backwards in our walk with God. It's a season when we might feel abandoned, even abandoned by God. And yet the desire for God in our hearts grows deeper and stronger. Even though we feel like we're falling away from him, but our desire grows stronger and, and, and burns even in, in, in a bigger way, in a, in a hotter way. John Mark helpfully describes that even though it may not feel like it, God is very much active in working to lead us into a deeper trust in him. To deeper trust in him. Instead of trusting in our senses, instead of trusting in the experience of God being near to us, God is doing a work in us to trust in him. So what are we to do in this season? Now, here's a helpful suggestion from St. John of the Cross, a Spanish mystic from the 16th century. Allow the soul to remain in peace and in quietness. 
Although it may seem clear to them that they are doing nothing and are wasting their time, the truth is that they will be doing quite sufficient if they have patience and perseverance in prayer without making any effort. But contending themselves with merely a peaceful and loving attentiveness toward God and in being without anxiety, without the ability and without desire to have experience of Him or to perceive Him. For all these yearnings disquiet and distract the soul from the peaceful, quiet, and sweet ease of contemplation which is here granted to it. In other words, striving to quickly get out of this season and desiring to get the sense of God's nearness back back quickly is useless in this season and actually counterproductive. Instead, the best way to go through the dark night of the soul is to be quiet and to be still before God. Even if you feel, even if it feels like a waste of time, to be silent and to be still before God while being attentive to Him and to wait patiently for Him and, to compl- and for Him to complete His work. Meditating on a psalm like Psalm 77 where the psalmist asks, Will the Lord reject me forever? Will he never show his favor again? Might bring some consolation to us. And like the psalmist, it would also be helpful to remember the times of God's faithfulness in leading us and answering our prayers prior to the season as we go through the dark night of the soul. When God leads us in this season, we must remember that this is only a season. It will not last forever. It's a not, it's, so, so, so take the time to rest. It's not a season to try harder. Rest while God does his work in you and in your soul. Trust in God's goodness and his faithfulness. And trust in him to complete his work in you during this time, even when you're not working so hard at it. Because the truth is, we love because he first loved us. Our efforts to draw near to him is done as a response to him loving us and drawing near to us. So rest in the truth that God is in control even when we're not. And lastly, we need to remain in community when we're going through the dark night of the soul. We need to remain in community with other believers who could pray with us and encourage us along the way. The worst thing for an individual to do during this season would be to isolate themselves from others and be left alone with the lies of the enemy. God is, of course, present, but he has also given us brothers and sisters in Christ that could help us, that could pray with us and encourage us and walk alongside us. And so at this time, I'd like to invite us to do that. If you've been feeling distant from God, whether it be simply feeling that way, or perhaps there's something in your life that has led you to fall away from God, something within the sermon has taken your attention or brought something into your attention, I invite you to come up to the front and receive prayer. I'll be here, Pastor Nathan will be here, and some of our prayer partners will be up here with us. And so in this next time, as God is stirring something in you, I invite you to respond by coming up for prayer and to share with people that are praying with you what God is bringing to your attention and how God is leading you to pray. 
In just a moment, I'll pray to end the sermon. And after this prayer, the worship team will come up and they will lead us in song. But after the prayer, you could, also, you could, you could come up to receive prayer. Again, if you sense God is stirring in your heart to come up, please don't hesitate. I know it's daunting to come up to the front, but it's worth it to bring something to light and to pray with someone and to be prayed for by someone. There's nothing to be afraid of, so come on down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are awesome. You're so amazing. Your love knows no bounds. And we could be the furthest away from you ever. And yet, you're still with us. We could reject you for so long, and yet you're still for us, and you desire us to draw near to you. You wait for us with open arms. And so God, I pray especially for the youth that have asked this question. You know where they're at. I pray that you would stir in their heart to talk to someone and to walk with someone as they're going through this season. And in this next moment, as people come out for prayer, we pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, stir in our hearts. Bring to our attention the things that we need to pray about. Perhaps sin, a long-time disobedience that we need to bring before you and to repent. Perhaps a major distraction in our own lives that we need to bring to light. Perhaps we're going through a, a dark, dark night of the soul or perhaps we're just surrounded by lies of the enemy making us feel like we're distant from you when, when we're not. In all these scenarios and, and more, for all of us that feel like we're falling away from God, God, I pray that you would lead us to draw near to you. We thank you that you welcome us with open arms. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So for those of you who wanted to receive prayer, I invite you now to come on to the front.
you've been in your seat and you're wondering, oh man, I should have gone up, I should have, and perhaps you didn't quite muster up the courage to come down, that's fine. It's okay. And, and I, I, you know, I, I hope that you would find someone to pray with you even after service, to share some of the things that God is doing in you. And once again, remember that, that it's never too late or you're never too far from, turn to God, from turning back to God. And so let's, I invite you to stand. Um, and receive this benediction as you go from this place. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the, may the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Go in peace.